Hello everyone, welcome back to It's a Wonderful Podcast. Janine, this is a funny little movie, really, isn't it? That's not funny at all. <laughs> yeah, it was like, oh, it's not really all that funny, but... It's not funny, but I, I think it's a funny little movie because I think it's an unusual little movie. And it's one of those little kind of movies that you've just happened to stumble across, suggested yes. we talk about on this show. We've both kind of gone... Oh, that sounds interesting. And it involves people we like and also people I don't think we've ever covered on the show yeah. before. Um, which is interesting, always interesting. And we watched the movie. And did we enjoy the movie? Well, that's what we usually talk about on these episodes of the main show. It's a wonderful podcast. We celebrate old movies here Will we be celebrating this one today? I think plenty of elements of this movie we certainly will be. Because today on It's a Wonderful Podcast, we're talking The Strange Woman from 1946. A title that I don't particularly like, to be honest with yeah, you. Yeah, it doesn't. It's a terrible title. Yes, it doesn't fit kind of what's happening in the movie. Or maybe it does, because perhaps, you know, if you're watching this movie with a certain mentality, or, or if you're producing this movie with a certain mentality, you might view Hedy Lamarr's protagonist as a strange woman, given the fact she's incredibly uh, kind of self-resilient and self-reliant. Yes, but that's not strange. Like, when you say strange, strange woman, you think it's odd or quirky or a little, you know, weird, but not not manipulative and self-serving that doesn't speak but it to might, strange it might be strange for 1820s maine which is where this movie <laughs> takes place where unfortunately you would have to say women are probably rather quiet for the most part reserved people yeah who get on with day-to-day -day activities that aren't particularly fun and I suppose to an extent, Hedy Lamarr's protagonist, Jenny, here doesn't do any of that in this movie because she's, she, she basically, I mean, what we're dealing with really is a, it, this is a femme fatale movie, but outside of the typical style of femme fatales, this is not, you know, early to mid 20th century urban areas. This is not yeah. kind of uh, I, it's seductive. I suppose it's seductive. It's all kind of power plays of love and lust that yeah. we're dealing with here. But it's not necessarily sultry. It's not necessarily kind of smoke-filled lounges no. or anything like that. Because, like we said, this is a it's a period movie. It's set in eighteen twenties in 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 Maine, you know, early ish New England time with kind of people dressed in outfits of that particular era. Yes, no cars like horse and no nothing, buggy no 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 nothing like situation. that. No nothing shiny, nothing sleek. Nobody wearing hats that aren't top hats really there's plenty of top hats actually going on in the movie but not as many mustaches as you would uh, no expect. mustaches <laughs> it's unusual for a femme fatale movie which is why i find it quite interesting really that we're dealing with a woman like this a protagonist like this a character like this in a period movie yeah um and not even bringing it to modern didn't to, to that time that it was filmed no but not even a period movie say from hundreds of years ago where you might view all you know someone of the 15th century or the, or the 16th century being like this or even older you know from, from almost millennia ago ancient greece ancient egypt these kind of things where you might view particularly powerful women as being such you think of cleopatra type movies and the kind of power plays of love and lust that go on in those yeah this is 
the 1800s. This is a renowned, stodgy time in world history where <laughs> kind of everybody is very uptight, generally. Yeah. You know, this is what history paints these people as. This is what history paints this era has, uh, this era as for very, very many people. Um, you know, kind of very a, a very patriarchal society, which is why I think probably a title like The Strange Woman is boring and doesn't feel wholly fitting, yeah. No, it does feel wholly fitting. It well, does feel fitting because that it's strange and odd that, to that time uh, period. Correct. Yeah. Um, even though I don't like the title at all, because I think we can view movies like this now and i think to be honest with you we view femme fatales now perhaps in a different light than what they were intended to be and i think to be fair many people of the time when these movies were being brought out you know the the femme fatale really coming to yeah. play heavily in the 40s and carrying on well carrying on i suppose in various ways until the present day but you would say probably 70s neo-noir you've still got a few in there maybe 90s stuff but it does carry on but the 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 kind of classic nature of the femme fatale really from the 40s until 1960-ish yeah um people may have viewed those characters at the time as unlikable, devious, kind of deceptive villains, really, yeah. of their movies. But people may have also viewed them as, I think, what perhaps I view them as now, and perhaps you view them, and perhaps other people, you know, majoritarily view them as now, which is quite <laughs> admirable, kind of empowered women okay. evil they do they do bad things they lie you know they they deceive manipulate yeah. they manipulate but my god do they go after what they want and i mean to a point do you not have to respect that do we I not mean... respect barbara stanwick in double indemnity for just being absolutely entirely single-minded in doing what she wanted even though everything ended up obviously being evil i bring up barbara stanwick in double indemnity as the absolute typical version of the femme fatale there's obviously many 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 more well yes i mean for me i was getting aspects of of course me <laughs> taking reference from something of the 90s and early 2000s kind of era. Um, Catherine, the Sarah Michelle Geller character from Cruel Intentions, just in the aspect yes. of her um, putting on this facade of being very generous and, and beloved because she knows what she is underneath. She knows how people could read into some of her behaviors but she can cover it up by being generous to the community and helping out. And we never really know how genuine those efforts are because she does kind of say something at a certain point that, um, you know, kind of something to, to the effect of like, um, if you want to rule, you have to kind of ingratiate, you have to get people to love you kind of yeah. thing. I, I absolutely think Sarah Michelle Gellar in Cruel Intentions is yes. a femme for because she was an awful, terrible person who was doing all this shady, disgusting stuff in, in behind the scenes. But because she had this very popular, kind-hearted facade, nobody really saw any of that until it was kind of yeah. revealed at the end. So that all those aspects of her really trying to be in the community and be this beloved figure. Meanwhile, we're seeing her manipulate all of these men. Um, it, it definitely gave me the vibes of, of Catherine in, in Cruel Intentions. Yeah, I think we're we're dealing with a very similar character. I think mean, it's interesting you bring that up because she is a a obviously more modern, not exactly 
entirely modern anymore, I suppose, given that the movie's from 99, but certainly a far more modern version of this type of character. Yeah. Um, but it's it's this kind of period, this 1800 setting that we don't often view as having these type of, of women in the movies made about that time in it, which yeah. is what I find quite interesting, really, about this movie. I mean, it's a little movie. It's directed by Edgar G. Ulmer, who's an interesting director, really. I've only seen a couple of other of his movies, one being, weirdly, The Black Cat with Boris Karloff and Lugosi, um, which is obviously a one of his earlier movies and a universal horror vehicle yeah, based around Edgar Allan Poe things. But his most interesting one, and I think it's, to be honest, a better movie than what we're talking about today, is 1945's Detour, which mm-hmm. came a year before The Strange Woman, which is just a, a despicable kind of movie. It's a really... I mean, consider considering it's forty-five. It's really fresh as a as a noir movie. It feels almost like a noir movie that you get in the late fifties, rather than in nineteen forty-five. It's also uh, West Coast noir, California noir that we've talked about quite a bit, somewhat recently on the show, yeah. and the difference between. Oh East yeah, Coast, like the, York, the San Francisco noir. vibe and yeah, the New York kind um, of Yeah, and, and kind of California noir where it's really California noir tends to be more horrible because it's it's way more manipulative, it's way more not in your face, yeah. shall we say? The the kind of evil nature of it. But Detour is kind of a it's a nasty little movie because it's got what I think is one of the truly nastiest female characters in that I've like that I've ever seen in a movie of this time, as far as someone who is just a horrible person. Yeah. You could call her a femme fatale. This is Anne Savage in detail. Speaks to her name, really. I mean, she's called Anne Savage, and she is <laughs> yes, incredibly <very> savage. savage. <laughs> In this movie, but she's she's almost like just seething, spitting anger, yeah. and just real, just vile seething. kind of stuff coming out of her mouth. Not that it's kind, not that it's any sort of horrendous language or anything like that, but she's just a very, very horrible person yeah. and a fascinating character for a movie of that time. Um, I find it a very, it's a very, very watchable movie. It's also a really, really short movie. I think it's under 70 minutes. Oh, okay. So it's, it's a very, very interesting movie. But why I bring that up is because perhaps in the mid 40s, Edgar Gilmer had this, you know, fondness for femme fatales. And to make a couple of movies in a couple of years, like Detour and The Strange Woman, where Hedy Lamarr is playing, I think, a little bit more of a likeable person, a little bit more of an understandable person than, yeah. than Anne Savage does in Detour, um, because we really do pity our male protagonist in Detour. And I don't really think... we. I think we are somewhat with Hedy Lamarr in this movie. She is our protagonist... I mean, um, I I wasn't really. She was just making me angry from the start. <laughs> Even when she was helping people, you could tell it was under this facade of just trying to to hide who she really was. Um, and to it was, but we're with her. We're with status. her. So the movie is from her point of view. It's not like Detour, where the movie is is not from Anne Savage's point of view. She comes into the movie partway through. Yeah, and really just rails on our on our downtrodden protagonist. This is Hedy Lamarr's movie. This is Jenny's movie. Yeah, for you know whatever you think of her character. So I think it's less interested in making us pity the men in this movie 
than Detour was. So I find okay. it interesting, really. Yeah. Because um, okay. I think there's elements to the strange woman that sometimes want us to understand where Hedy Lamar's mind's at, you know, where Jenny's mind's at, where she's coming from. Her upbringing was a bit twisted. Her father was a drunk and beat her. Her mother um, ran away with another um, man. Yeah, her mother wasn't present. She's be and she's grown up as quite a hardy person. Yeah, not she's had to, otherwise but she would have. She's had this into nothing. And I could kind of sympathize with her if they hadn't showed her as you know, despite everything she's been through, still very much an entitled person. I, I wanted to take it as maybe the way they meant it as her being this kind of empowered person who knows what she wants and kind of this boss bitch type of attitude that you kind of referenced that is so prevalent in, in, in how we see female characters or how um, female characters are portrayed up to today. Um, but I just found her to be just terrible because, yeah, even as a child, she she's, torturing, she's torturing this little boy. She pushes him in the water knowing he can't swim. Everyone's saying someone needs to go in and help him. And she's like pushing her foot on his head, trying to drown him and saying, who cares? Who cares? Let him drown <laughs> only to almost get caught and then act like she's saving him. Um, so then she looks like she, this, this is like the early stages of her really trying to be loved by the people so now they think oh she's a hero she saved this little boy um and then her young friend asks her hey do you want to come to school with me and you know she's this poor girl living with her drunk father and the father says well you can't really go to the school with her but you can come to our home and you can work with the maid and help clean and, and earn your way and she's like oh no i don't want to do that I don't, you know, she doesn't want to, as a child, she's even thinking she's above like cleaning and helping the house lady that she only wants to go to school. And if she can't go to school, then she's just going to stay with her drunk father. So the fact that she already had that entitlement as a child makes it hard for me. So like I can, I can give her a little bit of props for being somebody who knows what she wants and already has this mindset of I'm going to do what I need to do to get out of this life at a certain point. So you know, I'm going to figure that out on my own. But the way it was portrayed just was like this little brat. And then she turns into like this horrible woman who is very manipulative. So I wanted to, I really wanted to respect her in, in the fact that she knew what she wanted and she's being very independent and, and, you know, finding ways to get what she wanted and being very self-sufficient but just kind of of how deceptive she was was just very hard to to find any positives in that for the character for me. I just think these make very interesting characters, though. Oh yes, I, I love like follow... I'm not likable. I mean, let let's not you know don't get me wrong. I don't think Jenny is a likable person at all. I think she is a, a deceptive, horrible person. But a fascinating person. Oh yeah, a I love when we can follow character. a character who's very, you know, who who we don't necessarily like because we rarely see that, um, and getting that insight. But I wanted more of a kind of maybe, uh, I don't know. I guess we got enough of her home life to explain why she wants to initially kind of get this status. But like once she's there, that's still not enough for her. So no, then at but... a certain so then at a certain point it becomes like, okay, then why is she constantly, you know but it, it, doing there's, these there's... despicable things to people? You are right, but I'm not I'm not defending it. I'm not defending it. I'm just <laughs> you always like saying... to defend the bad guys, to just admit it. I, well, I just find, <laughs> I, I always find <laughs> for some reason I always find I, I, somehow I remember doing this in Gaslight in when we were talking about Gaslight. <laughs> I think you and did. Charles Boyer in Gaslight. I was like, well, really, should we not respect Charles? And then Boyer? on Morgan, no, we shouldn't. Of course, we shouldn't. He's a horrible, horrible, yeah, then terrible, on, manipulative. On Morgan hasn't seen person. We're talking. It could happen to you, and you know, Rosie Perez is set up as our kind of evil, terrible person, and you're finding ways to like, sympathize, and defend. 
<laughs> so I think there's a part of you that just sympathizes with the terrible people. <laughs> you oh, like the gray. You me. love the gray in people. I, do. I appreciate that. And that's it. <laughs> there's just a part of me that likes more layered people, more interesting people, people that aren't just kind of two-dimensionally. I am entirely good and i am entirely bad i like people that have that great within them and clearly have both yes within them. but even she doesn't though, really have the good when... in her i don't but she has the drive the drive for me is a positive the okay. ambition in the character is a positive how how she expresses that is terrible of course it is <laughs> yes but really is this not her a the lot same of, situation a lot of fairness in looking at who she is is this not the same situation we see in so many movies about say uh gangsters right yeah that we see horrible people be really ambitious rise and rise and rise and then crash down at the end through manipulation through violence through whatever is this not just really the same story structure as this movie? I think it is. So why do we like, for example, you know, Scarface, both versions? Why do, do we, do we, are we fond of Tony in those movies? Paul Mooney's and or Al Pacino's? But we, we, we don't like... Hedy Lamar in this movie, is it not the same character trajectory? A kind of poor, downtrodden person who has a lot of ambition but manipulates people and gets where they want to get through deception and sometimes violence and sometimes even murder, but just to come crashing down at the end? Why do we consider it different? It's an interesting thing, I think. So, I, you know, when I... I'm interested in those characters. I don't view those characters as, as good people <laughs> yeah. at all. And I don't view Jenny as a good person. But it's interest for me. I'd much rather be interested in a character than just think they're a nice person. Yeah, I mean, I think it creates something different and interesting to watch, for sure. Um, and that it's kind of another added thing to see how what she does works on the people around her works on the people that she's trying to manipulate and how it affects them and um what that says about those characters that they're kind of so easily swayed by her and so easily uh able to believe her lies um so yeah i think it definitely makes for a more interesting complex character when um we're not just seeing the inherent good in a person um, and we have kind of a reasoning behind why they are the way they are. Um, but yeah, at a certain point for me, it was just, okay, you got what you wanted. Just stop already, <laughs> like leave these people alone. <laughs> but yeah. I think when you have nothing, you know, you're always wanting more. So I guess that's kind of how I was able to justify a lot of her actions. Um, but it was really interesting to see how calculated her deception was and and you know what she would use to to get people um so yeah as we go through the story we see her be kind of this terrible child who's already very entitled despite her circumstances um then you know she's older now we see her grown up and she's still living with her drunk father and she is always going down to the docks to to kind of check out the men and her friend kind of sets up who she is as an adult really quickly for us. Her friend, um, she she invites her friend to come down to the docks to check out the new kind of men coming in. And all her the, friend all says, the "Sailors, all the yes." So she's like, "Oh yeah, mm -hmm. you can you can get a young one." And she's like, "I don't want a young one. I want a rich one." So then she's yeah. talking to the kind of foreman of the dock who owns all these businesses and all these ships and things and and companies and he's kind of rattling off about how rich he is and kind of hinting that he's attracted to her, which is just creepy because he's like this old man. Um, and he's yes, the father. By, uh, Gene Lockhart. He, yes. He's the father of the little boy that she had tried to drown, which the yes. little boy is now a grown man. She had a bit of a relationship with him in their early years. And then the, his father sent him away to school and 
other things. So um, she hadn't seen him, but she ends up, um, you know, having kind of this flirty exchange with his dad because, you know, she's hearing him talk about all the businesses he owns and all the money he has and all of this. Um, so he's kind of the first target, I guess, <laughs> to her. Yes to her kind of manipulations you could also you could almost also call this movie gold diggers of 1820 yes but even he is kind of manipulating the situation to be with her without it looking inappropriate because i think he knows how inappropriate it is so you know he's trying to talk to her she's interested for a minute until she sees this young hot sailor and goes off with him only for him to kind of get jealous so then to get her away from the sailor person, he goes and tells her drunk father, hey, your daughter's off with this sailor man. And he's also like asking a lot of questions, insinuating the father kind of is picking up on the fact that you're always asking about my daughter. What do you want with her? Don't talk about her to me. And so then he switches the narrative to be like, oh, she's talking to some sailor guy. So now he's getting the father riled up about her kind of, insinuating all this stuff about her and men so then that night he ends up beating her and kind yes. of calling her very impure and all of these things which then just sets up the next layer of of her kind of first manipulation yeah the entire story of the movie is like we say like we all like we've said before the manipulation of love and lust it is yeah. jenny getting seemingly wealthier and more and more powerful and just deciding on a whim oh i'm gonna go after you now this man and then <laughs> yeah. it'll be this different one this and person this different and then this one, one. and there's, yeah. there's three really over the course of the movie because she does end up marrying uh gene Lockhart, yeah mm -hmm. um who is ridiculously older than her um, it's quite concerning. I mean, and they and they don't shy away from that in the movie, which I was no, kind of don't. surprised because it's a completely different time where all of those things were okay and like you were getting married at like fourteen and like you know, um, yeah, were they, things they, like that. They like, but they they do definitely he's quite uncomfortable with it. Yes, I mean, I don't think he's uncomfortable with it. I think he's uncomfortable with how society is going to see him. So she ultimately gets beaten by her father. Well, yeah. And runs to his home and asks kind of for shelter to help me. My father's hitting me, protect me. And he's very much kind of looking at her and watching her to the point where the his housekeeper is very much kind oh, of like, God, do you yes. need something? Like, what are you looking at? Like, kind of leave this young girl alone. The, the housekeeper is very much protective of her to her own boss because she sees him kind of leering at her and, and looking at her in a kind of you know not so fair way so then like there the, is quite yeah. a lot of shots of leering really in this movie I yes suppose, yes it? i think that's so, not shied away from either and to yes. be fair look hedy lamar's a very very attractive beautiful woman yeah um and we've never covered a hedy lamar movie on the show before we, we no. she, it's her first time Coming up, and what I didn't realize is that Hedy Lamar's real name is Hedwig. What? <laughs> yeah, her full name's Hedwig. Interesting. Because she's Austrian. Oh. Actually. So, I mean, really, we should give far more credit to Hedy Lamar than, than we, we do or have ever done in the past, obviously, because without Hedy Lamar, we wouldn't be able to do this show, Janine. Because Hedy Lamar basically invented Wi-Fi. Really? Oh, Hedy is she Lamar. The one, is she the one who was like really into yes. kind of helping figure out all the Hedy Lamar is the inventor. Communications type things. Yes. And oh, okay. Yes. I've this heard is about Hedy her. Lamar. Oh, I've Hedy heard Lamar about her accomplishments. Just, yeah. Not just a an accomplished actor and a, an old Hollywood star, but literally like has awards based on scientific discoveries and things like yes, that and, and yes. she is basically responsible for the earliest form of what we now consider wi-fi 
Yes, I remember so, reading about thank that. you, Hedy Lamar, for, yes. for allowing us to do the show <laughs> with your true genius. Yes. Um, we, 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 we appreciate that. <laughs> we also appreciate you in this movie, but no, I find I find it a, a very, very strange movie, really. I know it's called The Strange Woman. It should be called <laughs> The Strange Movie because it has so much within it that doesn't fit the period setting. And it's kind of stylistically a mix of feeling at times a little bit stodgy for me and a little okay. bit kind of plodding and do we really just have to do what's happening a little bit but then it will burst kind of into very very heavily noir style intrigue and, and things seduction. like that and then it'll start plodding along again yeah it's almost as though it was a mix of 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 two different movies they wanted to have the femme fatale and, and this kind of manipulative story but they wanted to have a period movie and i'm not quite sure that the two blend perfectly yeah they blend they interestingly just... but do they blend perfectly not always no but i really do like the i like the story of it I just yeah. think sometimes stylistically the movie they don't gel with kind of the concepts that no. are going on. And I think no. yeah, they definitely could have just said it in 1946 when it was made, but for some reason I think maybe they felt like the sweeping period piece well, would be more interesting or something, I don't know, but Well, I mean, it's it's so it's based on a novel, so that would be why. Oh, okay. And okay. you can you can adapt a novel to be whatever you want, really, can't yeah. you? So why not? modernize it present day yeah who knows i don't know um after jenny marries uh isaiah our foreman our oh, wealthy yeah. doc foreman character she writes a letter doesn't she to uh his son who's off in uh, harvard i think and you know, calling, I'm your mother now, I'm your stepmother now, look at me, don't you remember yeah, yeah, me yeah. from childhood? Of course you remember me from childhood, yeah. we were such good friends, I nearly killed you once. Yes, she totally leaves um, that out. <laughs> and we were we were so in love as children, weren't we? But now you have to call me mother. Yes, and then it like... turns into all this kind of weird stepmother stepson incestuous yeah so he comes home and she is just very much all over him she sees that he's kind of you know still maybe has a spark there for her and so she plays on that i think she likes the attention on top of liking you know the doting on her and liking the status it brings her and you know obviously i'm sure it's not very fun to be this young beautiful woman like married to this old sad deteriorating man um well, he is quite he does get quite ill quite quickly as well, yes he's he like doesn't... using a cane at this point and just not doing good so we see a lot well, of you kind think of very... these people exist i mean look at these look at these people that married like people like rupert murdoch i mean yeah. why, why are you doing that you know you're doing that for the exact same reason that jenny's marrying isaiah poster in yeah. this movie aren't you yeah. really I, I do not believe any of these people who marry a man 50 years older than them who happens to be incredibly wealthy and powerful and you're this supposedly beautiful young woman. I don't trust any any of that to be, <laughs> I actually really like yeah. him. He's nice. No, he isn't nice. <laughs> he isn't nice. If If he was nice, he wouldn't be that rich. That's how you become super wealthy, by the way. If anybody's interested, you should you don't buy all those books that have like here's how you become rich and look at all these tips and tricks I have why you're selling a book on it then, you know? Yeah. <laughs> to turn to make money. Idiots, Janine. <laughs> Do you know how that looks? <laughs> Super wealth is gained through being horrible. Yeah. Essentially. It is. So I don't trust any of this kind of Oh, he's really nice, really sweet. No, he's not. It's all because of the money. We know this, 
just accept it. If you accepted it and just admitted it, we'd have more respect for you, like like Jenny in this movie. Because I'm like, she's obviously doing it for the money. I don't think she's fooling herself that she's not doing it for the money. So I'm like, fair enough, at least you know what you want. I that's mean, she's I, not, she doesn't outright, is. yeah, I mean, she never outright says what she's doing or why she's, she's doing it. It's so obvious. It, it, but it is very obvious, and I don't think she tries to kind of hide that, because at a certain point, um, after she gets through her husband and her son, her stepson, then she moves on to kind of the lead worker who worked with her husband. Yes, um, George Sanders. George, George Sanders. Sanders. We love yes, George Sanders. we love George Sanders here on the channel. Um, once she kind of gets to him, she steals him basically from a friend. And then, you know, George Sander clearly asks her, I want to be the one to tell her, don't talk to her. But she ignores him and goes straight to the friend and tells her. And she's very kind of straightforward. She's like, well, you know, I love him. But if you ask for him back, I'll give him to you. But, you know, I, I'm in love with him. So I don't think there's really much that can be done. So she's Full very mate. much, yes, she's very kind of straightforward with her motives and doesn't really feel any kind of remorse. So there are moments where we do see her be very clear and it's obvious she's she's not trying to hide who she is or what she's doing, especially since she's kind of built up this coverage for herself with being kind of this pillar in the community. Because she was once she was found herself married to a rich man, she was donating to the church and helping out the poor yes. families and helping yes. them and buying food for people who couldn't afford it and doing all of these things. Sorting the town out when all those uh, forest workers came in and started like, shooting up the place. Yes, and and harassing people. So, um, you know, she had that barrier you know of protection being this pillar in the town so i think she kind of felt like she was on top of the world she could do no wrong you know in the eyes of the people uh so she could kind of just be very blatant about her manipulations in these yeah. tight-knit corners because she knew that you know if she was questioned she would be believed um as being pure because you know she's so kind to the community but she um, really, really is horrible to uh, the son, to her. her yes. Whose name, by the way, is the silliest name anybody has ever had in their entire life. And I'm uh, sorry if you're if you're called Ephraim. Yeah. Please, I apologize, but change your name <laughs> because Ephraim is a That's silly a name. It's a lot. Your name. It's a silly it's a name. And they say it there. so many times. Yeah, they, the do. Well. Oh, they do. They do. Oh, Ephraim, how are you doing? George Sanders says it all the time as well. You know how George Sanders speaks, so it's even yes. more ridiculously sounding. Yes. Um, but she really does. She really is horrible. If you think she's... She's not necessarily horrible to Isaiah, you know, the foreman guy. Yeah. He's just old and dies. Well, he, well, well, no, he does, he does. He's old and dies, no. I suppose, is he? No, he's so... He's just old and she wants to get rid of him. Yes, he's sick and, like, he's potentially dying. And there's a certain point when she kind of finds out that he's going to live where... Yeah, she does to the that. To the naked eye, it could look like relief. But to us watching and knowing what she's done, it's like she's mad that he didn't die. Um, because this whole time now, this certain point, she's been leading on Ephraim and telling him she's kind of, you know, in not so subtle words, really hinting that she still loves him and cares for him and embracing him and kissing him and all of these things. Um, to a certain point where um, his father, Ephraim's father, asks him to come with him on one of these like lumber trips, which he doesn't want to go because he's going to have to be in a canoe and he's afraid of the water still. This is the boy that she tried to drown. Um, and he doesn't want to go, but he's forced to go. So then the night before they're about to leave, she seduces him and tells him, you know, do this for us. Can you do this for us? Just kill your father and then we can be together and it'll be all good for us. And, and what a and, wonderful, and, and here is where pure femme fatale comes out because what is a staple of the femme fatale 
murder this person and we can then we can be, be together. together and he admits later because we obviously don't see this in a 1946 movie like he says she makes love to him like yes she multiple times to kind of cloud his mind so then he ultimately they're on the boat he stands I'm sure up would cloud your mind because like we say hedy lamar is, is rather an attractive person yes so he stands up in the boat on these rapids shakes it tips it over him and his father fall in the water his father's pulling on to him trying to drag him down and he like hits his father to get off of him only for his father to end up drowning and him surviving. So they come home and it's deemed kind of an accident. Obviously all the, all um, Isaiah's workers are very much kind of blaming the son already. Um, they are. But, but he's like, well, How you know, you I survive when your yeah, father, but they don't really died. like him either. Do they? Yeah. Because he's very really liked and him. doesn't really know the business and anything. So, but he at least knows he has his consolation prize of, of, uh, yeah jenny you know because he did what jenny wanted him to do so they could be together and as soon as he kind of approaches her she's like you killed your father how could i be with you and she like closes the door in his face you get that so you he, get the uh the typical music cue of kind of yeah and it is horrible i mean you would be absolutely yes you kill your father to for this woman she says she'll be with you if you kill your her husband, your father. You do it, and then she says she doesn't want to be with you. So now you don't have the girl. Because you did it. <laughs> yes. Now you, you don't have the girl. You're depressed because you killed your father, and now he becomes a drunk. And He does. Miserable. We do see yeah. we do see poor Ephraim spiral, don't we, at this point? I think some time passes as well in the movie. We get a bit of a time jump. Yeah. And he has become essentially homeless, essentially just drunk all the time, incredibly yeah. scruffy and d- dirty and disgusting. Compared to just how formal and nice, like it's such a juxtaposition, like a crazy yeah. side by side of who he was at the start to but of course of seeing it's fine. what this woman has done to him. Yeah, but it's fine for Jenny now because George Sanders is here now. Yeah. Who for being second build in this movie does only show up halfway through. Yes. I mean, so I, he I was is... worrying a little bit. I was like, where's George Sanders, please? I want George Sanders yes. in the movie. I yeah. like George Sanders. Yes, he wasn't love him. even talking so George Sanders-like. It was almost no. as though he was trying to de-Englishify he wasn't, himself. Yeah, he wasn't doing his, like, English purr that he kind of, you know, he talks with a purr. That's why he's the Which he's got Shere no Khan. reason to not uh, <laughs> Yes. So he's the person that she ends up putting in charge of her husband's company. Um, and he's also courting her friend. He was quite high up in that company anyway, I think. He was quite well yes. thought of. Yes, but even at that point, you know, um, when her friend's talking about seeing him and 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 dating him um courting she, her it's 18, courting 20, yes come on yes. courting let's let's use uh, <laughs> appropriate terminology <laughs> yes um when she's courting him uh jenny asks like why haven't they gotten married and she says well because he doesn't have much money but now that she's promoted him to this high position in her husband's company now he's going to be making the money. So now that kind of puts him on her radar. Doesn't matter that he's her friend's man. You know, she's gotten rid of Ephraim and now she has this guy who now is doing well and um, running, she kind running of, the company. Running yes. the same company as to why she married Isaiah in the first place. Yeah, so she's she kind of... now younger and more attractive. And... Yeah, so she's able to kind of set herself up all over again. It's clever. It's clever. It's horrible, but it is clever. And yes. this is what I say. This is this is the interesting thing about these characters for me is is clever, horrible people. It's not that I want to be a clever, horrible person. It's just I don't know. Kind of sounds like you do. Mm. I don't have. <laughs> I don't have the desire to be horrible. I don't know. Sounds like it. I might be horrible sometimes, Maybe. but I don't have. The, I don't want to be. <laughs> I promise I don't want to be. Um, George Sanders, for me, is a little bit... I mean, I obviously really like George Sanders, and we obviously really like George Sanders. 
we do on uh, on it's a wonderful podcast i just felt like he wasn't george sanders enough in this no movie. i mean he i don't think this he wasn't i don't snarky. think he i don't think this role required that pussy. yeah i don't think this role no, required didn't. that of him so it didn't he was but when you've got george sanders janine use let him, him be george sanders <laughs> the best of his abilities which is being snarky it is being kind of monologue yeah and sitting in the corner drinking and making comments and just being generally beautiful to listen to and yeah. it really could have been played by anybody yeah it really doesn't i don't think the the got enough out of george sanders in this movie which i think is is a little bit unfortunate because and he is kind of supposed other movies of his from around this time you think of well the previous year 1945 picture of dorian gray yeah when he's playing you know henry you see the year after and he's the other one in the ghost of mrs mirror yeah 1947 and we like him in that, um, as being very George Sandersy. Oh yeah, I just, yeah. I just don't think he was being George Sanders enough in the movie. <laughs> there was times when the voice was coming out. There was times when, but it gets pulled back because yeah, it gets pulled character... back by Jenny because Jenny's just dominating the entire everything. Movie. Yeah, which is rightfully so because that's what the movie's about. But I just think. When George, George Sanders is so great at playing these really memorable supporting characters, and this isn't one of them. Yeah, because he's kind of supposed to be playing it straight. Usually, when he's doing that very purring, trying to gossipy, it's him trying about, to. Mean all about it's him trying to pull you in. It's him trying to get information and maybe manipulating yeah. you. But you know he's the one being manipulated here, so he kind of has to play it straight. So yeah, it's kind of yeah, a bummer. That I guess so. Doesn't require I guess him so. to to really be that person. Um, no better yes. than in all about Eve, I think actually as well when he's, yeah. he's doing. Oh that yes, that's kind of the main. That was the first time I saw him in something, and um, you know, knowing that it was him because obviously. Yeah. Jungle Book, you know, but I had no idea who yes, this person was doing this amazing voice. And then to see the person using that voice and oozing all of this personality. So, yeah, it doesn't really get to do that here. Um, but also because, yeah, it's just about Jenny manipulating him, which is seems very easy for her to do. Um, you know, I think it's kind of told to him all of the things that Ephraim's kind of drunk and Ephraim's kind of shouting about her in town and saying about her. So because he's endeared himself to her at this point, he goes to Ephraim to kind of tell him to stop talking about her like that. And at this point, I, I don't think they're together. I think she's just his boss who maybe he's interested by because she's already starting to come over and visit him and bring him tea and snacks and taking yeah. care of him. And, you know, he's more progressively ignoring Meg because of her and Meg is noticing this. And so, um, you know, she's backing off because she can already see what's happening. Um, so he goes to kind of defend Jenny's honor and to, and to tell Ephraim, like, stop talking about her. And then he actually sits and listens to Ephraim telling him what happened and her manipulating him into killing his father, that they would be together only for her to basically kick him to the curb. And this leading to to all of that. So he actually, I like that he takes the time to hear him out and listen to him. But ultimately, I don't think he wants to believe it. Because um, then he goes to he Jenny and know. and Jenny plays completely innocent, like oh no. And then she and then she tries to turn it around and act like she feels bad for Ephraim, like oh I feel so bad yeah. for him. This is all my fault that he's in this condition. So then now instead of it takes the heat off of her and makes her look like she's such a caring, considerate person. And that's where the manipulations kind of really goes full force with her and George Sanders. So then he kind of believes her until, you know, he forces her to, you know, he, he has her on the, she has him on the line really believing her, but he kind of wants to just take it all the way and go take her to Ephraim so they can be face to face and he can hear, you know, the side of the story because he's like, I think he's telling me the truth. I can tell when a man is lying, but he also doesn't want to believe it so he wants her to go talk to him and then when they go over there to talk to him he's hung himself 
Yes. So quite a quite a shocking. Yes. And very convenient for her. And so then she can play victim even more and blame herself. It's all my fault. And then he can console her. And then that's where they kind of come together and realize they're in love all of a sudden. And you know, all of all of a sudden he's oh yes, of course. Yes. And now he has to break up with Meg. Yes. So again, I will say poor Meg. Because Meg yes. really gets the short end of the stick. But I love her. I love her. Rotten. But I love the fact that she, you know, will not allow herself to look like a fool. She will not allow herself no. to to play a victim. She will not allow herself to, um, you know, pity herself. She's very much like, I knew this was coming. I saw this was happening. Uh, so go off together. I'm glad that we're friends and we can discuss such things. And she's very, keeps herself very calm about it. And I love the way she, um, you know, just tries to take care of herself and, and her mental state and not really, yeah. you know, because I'm sure it would have been a nice little bonus. And you could tell that Jenny was maybe saying things to try to get a rise out of her. And I liked that Meg was just not giving her anything so no credit to meg meg's a much yeah nicer person really um obviously this movie being this movie suspicion starts to take hold reasonably quickly even after this yeah for george sanders in that you know jenny is actually has actually been manipulating her entire life and her entire powerful situation and well the ending is a little <laughs> over dramatic i think yeah it gets really chaotic all of a sudden it does um, there's there's she... a stagecoach situation yes well Jenny's first she gets hurtling through this she gets plane. prompted to feel guilt all of a sudden because this preacher kind of calls her out um, this preacher's doing a sermon and talks about the, a woman who steals the man from her best friend. And we have Meg kind of looking at her from the other side of the pew. Um, and, and she goes to these services. And, you know, the more she goes to these services, it just makes her feel more and more guilty about what she's done. So I'm kind of like, it's weird that this is kind of the thing that's making her feel guilty all of a sudden. Um, because I, guess I think it's weird to... that she feels guilt at all. Exactly. So I think I wish there would have been some other aspect that would have made her feel guilt. Because I mean, maybe had she seen Ephraim in the act doing, you know, killing himself possibly, or possibly. crawling to her feet and, and screaming all the things she did to him before killing him, or something where she would have to face it and be haunted by it or something. But just kind she of a should sermon. be haunted by the image of Ephraim swinging there on a piece of rope anyway. Yes, her have a, a dream about it or something, or or have the sermon allude to that, not to her stealing her friend's man because she don't care about that. But if they played it that like her stealing Meg's man was the thing that was making her start to feel this guilt, um, and then she's been going to subsequent sermons where she is just feeling more and more guilt about things to where she gets very dramatic and panicked. And she confesses to yeah. George Sanders that she did make Avrium kill his father to be with yeah. her. And then she, you know, didn't keep her word um, and drove him to do, to kill himself. And um, naturally George Sanders isn't best pleased to hear this. News. no, so then, but then she kind of comes back to her senses and like tries to have him act like nothing happened. Um, so he ends up leaving and, you know, he goes to stay with a friend and she goes kind of investigating where he was and no one will really tell her. And he's like, oh, you're the second. So he, she ultimately gets him to tell like the friend to tell her where he is. And he's like, oh, you're the second person I told. And she's like, well, who was the first? It was Meg. So, but Meg is being very respectful. She's kind of just counseling him as a friend. And she's even encouraging him to go back to her. You well, yeah, know, I mean, Meg clearly 
loves George Sanders. I mean, Meg and George Sanders were supposed to be to get they were engaged, I think. Yeah. Yeah. In the movie. So, you know, you've got to have a lot of respect for Meg. Yes. Because so he, you know, she's allowing him to confide in her and or, or to, for, you know, he confides in her and tells her, you know, everything that happened and he's hurt by finding out this information, but he still loves her. And she's like, well, if you love her, then go to her and talk to her. And I love her just for at least, you know, just wanting to see him happy. So then they come out yeah. of this cabin that he's kind of held up in and she's riding her carriage over there. Yes. Who's and she <laughs> right you say riding this carriage i mean my god i'm sh we talked about last week the chaotic driving at the beginning of the old dark house from raymond massey <laughs> this yes. is also chaotic very driving. chaotic well she she's not chaotic until she sees him with meg coming out of the the house or whatever no, but it's, it's and so then she like sees it just... and she goes crazy and she's whipping those horses and like going crazy it's, it's ridiculously yes. intense and she tries to mow them down um only for the the carriage to crash and her go flying and now we see her bleeding and you know dying dying and george sanders is at her side and so i'm like she did not deserve all this she did not deserve this i love you i've always loved you speech from george sanders she deserved and she she felt bad and she's like you know confessing her kind of sins at the end and um yeah so she ends to gets to kind of die in the arms of the man she loves hearing that she was loved by him um, yeah but in the end it's it's <laughs> It's punishing a horrible character, which is ultimately what Hollywood movies do at do. this time, yeah. don't they? They do. We can't realistically have Jenny surviving and thriving um, in uh, Hollywood in a Hollywood release of the time, um, which is unfortunate. Really, I do think it would make for a more interesting movie if we could have had those things. But there you have it. You know, your censorship boards and your codes like to play games, don't they? Yeah. And go, no, we can't have anything remotely interesting. Go on, please <laughs> find creative ways of being interesting movie makers. Yeah. So they did. So they did. Um, but it's the, it's the typical way these stories end. Anyway, even... In more modern movies, it's the typical way these stories end. Yeah. Is you will have the villainous protagonist come crashing down at the end because of all their villainous ways. Yes. And their devious ways. Uh, because we can't we can't have that. You know, there, there has the, the the if there's a rise, there has to be a fall. Yes. And here is the fall. She becomes completely out of her own mind, tries mowing them down, like you said, in this carriage, <laughs> and then flies off the hill. Yeah. And yes, okay, it's, I suppose you, you could consider it a little bit of a treat. She gets to have the I've loved you, I've always loved you, I'm George Sanders kind of <laughs> thing going. On. Yeah. At the sure. End. Like, how have you always loved her, George Sanders? You've known her for like a year. <laughs> and you've not And you literally, after her. one night together and kissing by a burning tree, you were like already in love. Oh, that kiss by the burning tree was quite um enticing though. It was quite a, yeah, was a thrilling make, kind of that explosive would, yeah. moment, wasn't it? That would make you fall in love right away too, I'm sure. Yeah, a burning tree. It'd be very warm. Yeah, <laughs> we're not. You, you know, you wouldn't On feel cold. Would you you yeah. wouldn't be shivering. No, definitely not. That's the last thing you want. Last thing you want is when you're kissing anybody to be shivering. Oh yeah, you, you, that. You, you can't do it. You wouldn't be able to do anything properly. <laughs> um, you wouldn't outside in the middle of the night in in Maine, where it's obviously <laughs> going to be cold. Yeah, and, and it was raining and all that. It's raining. Best off having the burning tree, really. <laughs> <laughs> but I don't think it's I don't think it's too much of a of a nice ending for Jenny because she does die fairly horribly at this point. Yeah. I just think it does make 
it adds to the interest of her character. It adds to the layers of her character that she's almost allowed a lover's ending, even though it's a tragic one. Yeah. She doesn't die on her own, for example, does she, alone? You know, which is possibly what m the movie could have, have allowed her to deserve. Yeah. You know, so, so I think it's... Uh, I think it's more interesting. I think the entire movie, because the entire movie is Jenny's movie, is Hedy Lamar's movie, it makes sense for it to be most interested in having that character be as layered as she is, because I really do think she is. I think that's where the movie's at its best. Yeah. In whenever we're dealing with Jenny, whenever we're dealing with varying, you know, feelings regarding her character and how she's going to act at any given moment i do not think this is a, a a perfect movie i think it's a good movie i think it's a very watchable movie yeah and interesting to be following times... somebody who's so kind of corrupt in so many ways because i think by the yeah. end i think they reward her with george sanders being by her side because at that point despite how she got him despite how she got any of the men that she was with I think she ultimately did love him. Yeah, so and there's her, still her reward still for actually. Yes, so I think her her final reward for actually finding love and loving someone truly and purely for once was at least getting to kind of get those yeah. final moments with him. Yeah, I think that's fair. I did, I did enjoy the movie. I don't think it was like I said. I don't think it was a necessarily a perfect movie i no. think stylistically sometimes it's a little bit strange and a little bit odd um but you've got to appreciate you know edgar g Ulmer and 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 the making this kind of movie yeah and this kind of femme fatale story um set in this time because it's yeah. certainly unlike anything i've seen before to see a character like this in this time period yeah so i think that yeah. was interesting yeah like you said definitely not a perfect movie but um a lot of interesting character things to see here and um yeah i was in well worth watching well yes, well worth yes watching. i was into following her story and and where it was gonna go and um yeah i, I enjoyed seeing teddy lamar i had heard so much about yes. her but yeah, it was great to finally see something with her. Renowned inventor, Hedy Lamarr. Yes. In her movies. Um, I did read as well that, unfortunately, I think Hedy Lamarr became a bit reclusive in later life. Oh, really? And kind of, like, wouldn't go outside and this sort oh. of stuff and kind of died on her own and oh. with kind of nobody around and that sort of stuff. Which is unfortunate, really. Yeah. To hear. Um, we don't like that, but we do like Hedy Lamar. We did like The Strange Woman. We don't like the title, because we no. think the title <laughs> would have been a bit a bit more poppy. You know, a yeah. bit kind of... Speak to the femtalness of the, of the story, yeah. Treat it as a noir title, you know. Yeah. This, this doesn't necessarily feel like a title of anything really but there you go unless we have anything else to say about the strange woman from 1946 janine i think that's it well there we go for this episode of it's a wonderful podcast we'll be back next week with another great old movie celebrating them as we like to and discovering new old movies as we have done again with this week's one um but yes, it's a wonderful podcast. This show, the main show, is not the only thing we have on this podcast feed, though, is it, Janine? No, of course, we have our Monday show, Monday Madness with Morgan and the Machine. Uh, you can find that show on the feed where we just talk all kinds of fun pop culture topics, get into maybe a movie review, play some fun games. So it's a really chill show that you can also find in visual form on the It's a Wonderful Podcast YouTube channel. And uh, every uh, Wednesday, we have Morgan Hasn't Seen, where I forced Morgan to watch things he hasn't seen right now in honor of the film Renfield coming out this month. We are we're talking Nick Cage movies. So we we're certainly having a fun are. time with that. Yes. Monday, Wednesday, and Friday with this show, we have you covered on the It's a Wonderful Podcast feed. Subscribe here, leave your reviews and, and leave your messages and things like that 
on the podcast feed. Of course, as Janine said, subscribe, ding the notification bells over on the It's a Wonderful Podcast YouTube channel as well for Monday Madness in full glory video format, as well as all the other good stuff we have over on the channel. If you would like to support us on Patreon or donate in any such way, there are links in the description to go over there. We can't do what we do without that generous support, and we love all our supporters uh, dearly. We certainly do. We do. Um, you can, of course, also find the show on Twitter at It's a Wonderful One. Find me on Twitter at The Purple Dawn with a three instead of the E in there because, Janine. Three is the magic number. On Instagram and TikTok at The Purple Dawn. All your strange womanly stuff is where. <laughs> You can find me at Janine Debean underscore on Twitter, Janine Debean on Instagram and TikTok. If you want to get any merch or any of our shows, just check the description for the link or search It's a Wonderful Podcast on teespring.com. And if you want to purchase any of my art and print form, you can find that at my big cartel shop, g9design.bigcartel.com. Well, when every shows up, you always have to do it for me, Janine. No, so please, I'm terrible. Sanders impression. I can't. I can't. Every single time he's, he's in a movie i think the <laughs> I last one i want to say was uh while the city sleeps the fritz lang newspaper movie yes the last george sanders movie we did please a george yeah. sanders impression uh, <clears throat> three two one <laughs> oh, you needed to be, I think, several octaves deeper. I there. can't do that and do like his yes, snivelly, scrowling thing that he does. One. Hmm. <laughs> See, you should have done it. Bye. Bye.